Welcome to the WP Tonic This Week in WordPress and SaaS podcast, where Jonathan Denwood interviews the leading experts in WordPress, e-learning, and online marketing to help WordPress professionals launch their own SaaS. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic This Month in WordPress and Tech Roundtable Show. It's going to be our last show, um, last roundtable show of 2023. This should be a spicy show. We've got a panel. I think they're up for it. And we've got some great stories. Um, should be a really interesting show. I'm going to let the panel quickly introduce themselves. Um, Katie, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Hey, everyone. I'm Katie Keith, co-founder and CEO at Barn 2 Plugins. We've got Jeff. Jeff, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, I'm uh, Jeff Chandler, Marketing Generalist for Stuther WP. And why does it have to be a round table? Why can it ever be a square table? Look how many guests we have. We could have almost an octagon table. Well, there we go. You know, these are questions I have no insight into, Jeff. Uh, um, I've got my friend Heather. Heather, uh, you want me to Yes. Hi, I'm Heather Wildrenzi. I am the CTO of The Difference Consulting, and also known as the Unicorn Whisperer. Yes, the Whisperer. I've got... Heather. I've got the goat of WordPress. I've got Spencer. Spencer, would you like to introduce yourself? It's Spence from WPLaunchify.com and SpencerForman.com. Yeah. And I've got my friend Chris, Chris Badger. Chris, would you like to introduce yourself? I'm Chris from Lyft LMS. If you're watching this live, this is the last day of our Black Friday all November sale. <laughs> and uh, my podcast is called LMS Cast. Right, that's superb. And I've got my normal co-host, Kurt. Kurt, would you like to introduce yourself? Absolutely. Jonathan, my name is Kurt Von Annen. I own an agency called Manana Nomas, a podcast by the same name, and work directly with uh, Chris and Jonathan. Yep, and we're going to be talking about San Altman, uh, OpenAI, Sarah Gooding, and leaving the tavern. Whoa, shock horror. We got the master of drama, Elon Musk, and we've got a couple other stories if we can fit them in. We've got a rogues gallery of tech people and things to talk about. Somehow I don't think we're going to get there. No, I don't either, actually. <laughs> uh, um, but before we go into the meat and potatoes of this great show, I've got a couple of messages from our major sponsors. Tired of hosting providers that can't handle high traffic loads? Convesio is here to help. Our platform can handle any amount of traffic, all without slowdown or crashing. With immediate Slack support, performance optimization, and a team that thrives on resolving technical challenges, your e-commerce business is in safe hands. Learn more about Convesio at Convesio.com. Are you looking for ways to make your content more engaging? Sensei LMS by Automatic is the original WordPress solution for creating and selling online courses. Sensei's new interactive blocks can be added to any WordPress page or post. For example, interactive videos let you pause videos and display quizzes, lead generation forms, surveys, and more. For a 20% off discount for the tribe, just use the code WPTONIC, all one word, when checking out and give Sensei a try today. We're coming back, folks. I also want to point out we've got uh, a new sponsor, OmiSend. OmiSend is a text SMS plugin 
for WordPress. They had a great um, offering on Shopify, but they've seen the light and they have moved into WooCommerce. Um, they're offering a great offer to the tribe to find out about this offer and all the other sponsorship deals and offerings. Um, all you have to do is go over to wp-tonic.com slash deals, wp-tonic.com slash deals, and you'll find a curated list of, of plugins and services there. What more could you ask for? Probably a lot more, but that's Cash. Yeah, cash, yeah. Just send me cash sponsors. That's all that works. Uh, um, so off we go. Uh, um, so, um, Simon Altman firing and return to open AI. So Heather, I'm going to, I'm going to ask your input on this first. Um, just put this to you. I thought there was a, um, in my twisted mind, Heather, I saw a great linkage between this and, the hot mess, which is WordPress, to me, kind of mixing open source with $900 million of um, VC investment is a similar situation to open AI. Um, just, you know, the two things are incompatible, so it always ends up in a hot mess, doesn't it? What do you reckon, Heather? That is an excellent uh, uh, parallel there, Jonathan. Um, so from... Just, just for the people that like are not deep into understanding what the Sam Altman uh, OpenAI situation was, basically uh, what happened was there was a coup um, by the board um, where of OpenAI. Like OpenAI is a nonprofit; it is not a for-profit company, but it does have a separate arm for like a capped investment arm. Uh, that means that they can um, raise money to help them. Uh, to help forward their their nonprofit uh, aims because it is extremely expensive to uh, do the the kind of research that they're doing. So they have a completely separate entity to raise money um, for their nonprofit that eventually um, will be uh, like a commercialization. Um, and so Sam Altman has been uh, raising a lot of money. Uh, for that, because OpenAI is a very like hot commodity. However, OpenAI is a research nonprofit organization at the heart, and um, the scientists uh, that work for OpenAI got together um, because of a lot of the uh, research. Uh, I mean, a, a lot of the things that they are discovering, um, they feel uh, are. They, they they were concerned that Sam Altman was commercializing them too quickly or that they might uh, end up being commercialized uh, because there would be a conflict of interest. Because oh, is, shock horror. Shock yeah, horror. because he is the CEO of both the nonprofit and the capped uh, financial like investment arm. Um, however, uh, the, so, so they... And so the CTO of the nonprofit, uh, Ilya Siskovar, uh, led this coup and had Sam Altman re removed from the nonprofit, uh, from the board for, as the CEO. But two days later, uh, after speaking it out, or three days later, they, uh, they realized their mistake and brought him back in. Um, because basically what uh, had happened is um, 
is kind of like the people that are not at the CEO level, that are not at the C-level, they don't quite understand that you don't tell the board everything quickly. Like you, the the idea is the board doesn't need to know everything that's going on inside the company right away. And the board was like upset that Sam was keeping things from him, from them. But the thing is, I mean, everything in a research facility until it goes to peer review, uh, like it, what, once it's let ready, once it's a research thing that is ready to go to peer review at that point is when it should go to the board. And the, the things that they were afraid that he was going to commercialize, um, are things that were preprint. And, uh, well, it was a little bit stronger than that because the wording, it was diplomat, it was worded, but the wording is basically in more, more basic languages that you've been lying to us, isn't it? Well, that's what the board said. Um, however, uh, uh, the reason that Ilya Escobar flipped so quickly is because Sam Altman was able to explain, there's no way that I am going to commercialize something that is not even close to being ready to be available. And we also have a history, like I have a history of like being very ethical about what we release. So even if we do... Uh, discover this thing, a Q star, um, which is what they're talking about, um, which is like a tree of thought, like the best tree of thought language model uh, that has ever come out, which is the first step to artificial general intelligence. Um, they they may decide that it may not be something that they commercially release. So like they will release, like they're in the preprint study of it right now Heather, but Heather, this is well i want to point out Heather knows personally a lot about this but she's also married to an expert in its field um but Heather, isn't this all delusionary because you know they took the money from the devil they took money from microsoft and microsoft i'd imagine microsoft brought in some heavies to kind of put them right you know no, so Microsoft is invested in the uh, capped financial arm, not in the nonprofit. So the nonprofit is the research arm and can do, like, and any of the research that they do, they have the hold on. And that was where the issue was. They were, the nonprofit was afraid that Sam Altman had a conflict of interest. He has proven to them that he does not. Just think it's type naivety. I've, I just think it's pure naivety. Um, you should go next. Jeff, what do you think of this? I, I just think they're deluded. They took they took a load of money from a load of sharks and then they're surprised what happens, you know. Wait, wait one second. I think Spencer needs to at some point explain a Chinese wall uh as part of this. Oh right. The, the which part? <coughs> Chinese wall. The Chinese wall. Uh, I missed the metaphor. Sorry. No, I, which give me another. Like, no, I mean, so like how they can have like the, the separate, like so Sam Altman can be working in both. But- oh yeah. Well, I mean, I'll, I, I think I understand what you mean. Like the basic takeaway I have for this, which is interesting is first of all, the idea that there can be an open source thing is familiar to all of us. But then the same conversation I had the other day here in WordPress is applicable. Sam Altman has the hearts and minds of all the people who work at OpenAI, as exemplified by the fact that when they canned him, or whatever they called that, 79 out of 80 or 790 out of 800 
We're like, we're going. They're all going to Microsoft with Sam. And the only people that did it are the ones that were visa locked. Correct. And the other part about it is Ilya himself is just an evil genius. But then the 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 play, the sort of like uh, Greek tragedy here is that he realized and had to backtrack that he essentially sold his pal and his cohort downriver and it wasn't going to go well for him. So his his heart and mind seemed to be objectively torn between good for humanity and what he believes to be correct about that versus the reality that he lives in. And I think that's what we're talking about here is that we live in a world where, as we'll talk about, maybe Elon Musk can say or do whatever he wants and say F you to people in a public forum because money means nothing to him. And at the same time, Sam Altman has made comments because he is a very interesting, he's just a genius who came up through the Paul Graham ranks who's like, I don't need money. I work here for free because it's like really interesting. He doesn't need money either. So the people who are controlling, let's say, our technical and humanity destiny are unaffected by the problems of the rest of us. And it's also interesting because you can see how like those Greek tragedies work where why does why does the whole civilization go to war with another civilization? Because one powerful person leads them into battle. And that's where I see here is that there's no right answer, no simple answer, but like it's very intriguing to me because I get the benefits of AI. It's intriguing to me how much the sexy allure of the profit margins and the things that could be done will pull the you know, good for humanity causes over the line because like nobody knows what's good for humanity. We just know that capitalism is the most powerful magnet magnetism in our existence, you know. So, so yeah. So Jeff, um what the way I see how this has worked out, Jeff, is that old Sam has different buckets of of key players and one bucket he tells them whatever they want to hear. And then he goes to Microsoft and he tells them what they want to hear. And then he get the the reporters, he goes and tells them what they want to hear. And it's a bit like the great leader of WordPress. You know, he just goes around telling different buckets of consistencies, whatever they want to hear. Um, and a lot of the time that pans out. And a lot of, But sometimes it bites you on the back because you're telling different people different things. You're not lying. But you're just telling, you're just massaging the reality of the situation, aren't you? That's the way I see it. And I just don't think it went down in the end. Um, whispers came back to the board and they've had words with him previously and they just had enough of it. What do you reckon, Sat Jeff? Do you think I'm on the right track? <clears throat> yeah, that sounds familiar. I, this, the whole Sam Altman thing, um, I just went through the whole week and first he's gone, then he's back, then he's gone, then he's back. I'm like, what kind of revolving door do they have over there? But, uh, but yeah, I I think Heather, Heather and uh, Spencer nailed it. Right, Joe. So, Chris, got any comments or shall we go, got any comments about this? I would just say on the macro, it's really interesting because a year ago, most people out of us, outside of a small tech circle had no idea who Sam Altman is. And, and I've seen during all of this, so many people talking about this issue it really makes me realize the scale and how big this ai thing is not just from a technology standpoint but from a cultural standpoint a lot of people are really interested in this so it'll be interesting to track sam altman over the next three years as he now has all this fame and 
influence to see what he does. So, okay, um, what do you reckon when you when you take ninety million, ninety billion dollars of investments on, from some of the biggest corporations and VC sharks in Silicon Valley? Do you re- how do you end up with the naivety that thinking that you can run it as a non profit, you know, with the best intentions of humanity when you've taken ninety billion from people that wouldn't even understand what that concept means? You say Katie or Kurt? Katie. Right. I think that's how it works. These things couldn't happen without the money. Same with WordPress. Um, It's got as big as it has largely because of the investment that's come in from the profit-making side of it and the powers that be centrally. But the fact, and yes, of course, there is an inevitable tension and a line that must be drawn. But the fact that there is this charitable slash open source slash whatever side to each of those examples in your analogy earlier, WordPress and OpenAI, um, adds that essential, the checks and balances. So if it was just for profit, then there wouldn't be any kind of accountability, would there? At least the existence of that helps to hold it back and while giving the free side of it the investment it needs to grow. Well, there's one way I I totally disagree with you, actually, Katie. I, I, I think it's just... It's just fog and mirrors, basically. Um, um, I think free enterprise needs government and regulatory um, supervision because if you allow it to just go wild, it tends to destroy itself. But on the other hand, the only purpose of capitalism is to make money to its investors and trying trying to make out it's something which it isn't is delusionary as far as I'm concerned. What do you reckon, Kurt? As I read these articles and I listen to us talk, the thing that just keeps circling around in my head is how many really important issues or really important things in our society or or the tools that we use are really managed by a handful of children. You know, how disconnected could a board be to, to let a cat loose that has such a high percentage of the employee backing, right? Like, how disconnected were they to make that decision in the first place? And they go, oh, crud, we messed up. Or it, it's it's when I look at a, such a small handful of people in charge of something so big and so powerful, you're like, wow, what are we in for next? Well, I think you've got a good point there, Kurt, because the naivety of that board to act, to act against Sam without talking to one of the largest investors um, in the private side of it, i.e. Microsoft, seeing the, they didn't inform the CEO of Microsoft um, until about, oh, you disagree with yeah, disagree so, that ever? So, I mean, they had received a letter signed by the most senior researchers and the CTO in the company, and they had spoken to employees in the company. Um, and as a, like, if they had let any of the outside people know like they did let Sadia Nadella from Microsoft know before they let Sam but I mean it was a a matter of minutes and the reason for that is like when you're doing something like this you I mean it it has to be like quiet quick and and done but I mean it's not like the board didn't speak to other people um well I Obviously, you've got more experience of this than me, but I find that position 
I, I fundamentally disagree. You know, when the idea that you you only give one of the major investors and one of the kingpin of the technology that you rely on, you give that individual a couple of minutes notice that you're going to... He doesn't have a board seat. Like, well, that was, just, that was not, a courtesy call. He's got $9 billion. Doesn't matter. Um, like, he's not part of the nonprofit. This was something the nonprofit does. Well, I think that's the crux of the whole discussion, isn't it? In, in some ways, you know, I think they were delusionary, but there we go. Um, on we go. On we go on to the next story. Um, Sarah Gooden leaves the WP Tavern. Sarah's been writing and kind of cat herd in the tavern um, for a while. A great journalist, done a great job. I'm so glad that Jack joined us. So um, I was really surprised and sad to hear Sarah because I don't know her personally, but I think she's done an excellent job. And I wrote some kind words on the tavern, which has over the years provided loads of entertainment for me, especially when you were editor, Jeff. Uh, um, so was you surprised she left? And um, what do you think has been her contribution to WordPress, Jeff? I've, uh, Sarah and I talk on a regular basis. Um, we keep each other mentally sane in the, in the WordPress world. Um, but, you know, Matt purchased a tavern for me, acquired it back in 2013. And then one of the uh, first things we did was look for another writer. And uh, I suggested that we look at Sarah Gooding, who at the time was at WPMU Dev. And uh, ended up talking to her and interviewing her. And uh, she really took the tavern up to the next level in terms of professionalism and, and uh, um, uh, with her journalistic integrity. And she wrote there for, for 10 years. And, you know, um, it's not just 10 years of writing articles. She published over 3,000 articles in that 10-year time period. But those 10 years, those articles, is a documentation of the world of WordPress that's, that's used in bits on plugins and themes and how people are using WordPress and how there's just all kinds of things that have been documented. It's, it's 10 years of history that she documented of WordPress. So it's it's a big deal. Um, she she was rather emotional about it because hey, you do something the same thing for ten years, you're going to be emotional about it. I'd, I'd I'd be the same way. But I'm happy to report that she is now head of marketing, uh, I believe, content marketing group for another company. She's moved on to uh, bigger and better things, new opportunities, and I wish her the best in her career. And now we all wait and see what's going to become of the WP Tavern. We, Matt has uh, published a What's Next post, where he's going to be looking at uh, some new people coming through. Well, and he's going to hire one of two writers. I think, Jeff, it's clear who should be editor that should be Spencer Foreman. You know, I uh, I'll, put in, uh, I, I'll, I'll I'll pay for that, actually. I'll, I'll this, 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 is my, this is my cringing face. It'd be worth the yeah. watch. Yeah, we bring Jeff back, and we're co-editors of the new tavern. I don't. I don't look. I, I'm 40 years old. I look 60. You put me back at the tavern, and that's it. I'm gonna look 80. I can't. I can't handle the tavern in my life right now. You'll ignore him at cheers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Just sitting at that bar. 
Can you imagine it? Spencer Fullman is the editor of the tavern. It'd just be delicious. It, I actually, all jokes aside, yeah. when when the Sarah first said months ago, like they're looking for writers, I sent I sent in a submission because I've written and been on other stuff like you know around the community, and I got crickets. And then when Matt and I talked, I said I said Matt, I'm I'm interested. Crickets. No. I would actually take on the task. I'm not saying I would do as good a job as Sarah. It would be my own version of it. But what I see the tavern as being is it's literally like cheers for everybody who knows WordPress. So, you know, Woody or Sam or Norm or all those, if everyone watched those shows, they may all be changing faces, but the, the thing stays. So I'm not saying I want to do it as a primary income source, but I definitely feel like the world we're in definitely needs something like the tavern. And one of the things that we joked about here often is Sarah herself is impeccable as a, an author and a journalist, but the tavern was just fluffity, fluff, 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 fluff. Like just the topics were nine out of 10 topics. were. I'll, I'll, I'll think there's two alternatives. So I feel Mike Spencer Forum, the editor, Willy mm. Wonka. There's we could use more tavern. There's two directions you could go. Either Mike or Mike Willy Wonka. The well, editor, you know, right? I'm just saying like, so I see Katie on Twitter all the time, but like, Twitter has a large community of talking around the water cooler for WordPress folks. And it seems like there could be more of those conversations happening in the tavern and less sort of like what the public is supposed to see kind of conversation. That's my two cents. So what do you reckon, Katie? Was you sad to hear to hear that Sarah was going? Yeah, because she was like the kind of the center, the heart of it and um Particularly the fact that she finished before they had a succession plan in place, presumably because of her notice period or whatever for the new role. So it's always would be more reassuring if we'd known what was going to happen next. And it feels like it's kind of a bit in limbo at the moment. So it'll be interesting to see um, who is next, particularly after this discussion. Can you imagine me as the editor, Katie? That would be disastrous, wouldn't it? That would be the biggest pile. That would be self-destruct. It'd be interesting, but how how would I handle the great leader, though? You know, maybe I if I just... see it being more like asking the tough questions and things, so maybe you would be great. No, I, would, just... I would be great for about one week before he sacked me, Kate. Well, uh, I mean, I can I can speak from experience here that, as because I worked under Matt, but his involvement and his, the way he, he was very much hands-off. Despite what anybody else may think, I could tell you, uh, he was very much hands-off. In fact, he was so hands-off that I kind of wish he was more hands-on every now and then with me. That's how hands-off he was in terms of how Sarah and I managed a tavern. So there's that. So what do you think, Jeff, was some of the biggest challenges Sarah had for writing it? What do you think some of the biggest challenges she faced? I mean, you know, a lot of people would say that she's just a mouthpiece for Matt Mullaway, but that's not it at all. You could you can go through the archive of the tavern and you could see how many times she's been critical of automatic in their decisions. You could see how many times she's been critical of Matt himself. And I would, say, I would say fearless, wouldn't you? Yeah, yes, absolutely. And she was she's she was consumer oriented first, you know, for the people, for the users, and she had journalistic integrity that was second to none. And that's what made the tavern become pretty much the uh, uh, on the record or for the record type of 
reporting for the WordPress community. And by the way, Spencer, when you heard crickets, there's a there's it wasn't a few months ago. I think it was like it had to be like two or three years ago where there was an open call for writers. There's one or two different openings, and Sarah was never in charge of the hiring, so it was it's all been Matt. And we saw recently in this post that Matt, he even yeah, uh, yeah, he's saying. I it might have been two. That's what's so weird. Like you're right. Like two years seems like two days ago, but it was, it was like not tongue in cheek entirely, but it was sort of like, we, we need somebody here. And then there was no comment in public about anybody doing anything like Sarah remained the only writer. So, I mean, it was obvious that it never got any track. So, so the question I, I lay out before everybody is what do we think is going to happen next? And who do you think Matt's going to choose or hire on? To, well, I think to, it should be Spencer. I think we need uh, a campaign <laughs> to make him. It's just, it's just delicious. Do we really it's, want Spencer to be in the dashboard of every word just on the world? That's it's an amazing. such a delicious concept, Jeff, to have Spencer forward with Zeta. I'm, I'm a benevolent diplomat. I think we now know, know that that makes you behave as well. I think the truth is the only person that I'm willing to get riled up against in public is Jonathan, but that's because he, you know, right. he push buttons. But when it comes to like everybody else, you, you don't I, push buttons. I, I mean, I'm uniquely positioned and willing to say that I feel comfortable in having a conversation with anybody about anything. And I seem to be, just that's the way I am. I seem to be in private and sometimes in public willing to allow them a way to express themselves and get their points across, which is to me the most important part of all of this. The thing that I was suggesting is Sarah's integrity is impeccable. She's done an incredible job, an amazing hard worker. I didn't mean to downplay and say fluff means that she didn't do a great job. It just means that like you, you've got this like flaming inferno in the middle of the planet of all this lava and hot stuff. And then she's, you know, taking topics like there's roses growing on the mountainside somewhere. And I, took it as a, so, I took it as a sign of sanity. Well, I mean, maybe that's it. Maybe it's easier not to get involved. But I think that it's very healthy for our community and on a financial and a political and forever who cares. I think it's healthy when we discuss our stuff in a public way that lets everybody else understand that we're just human beings having like, well, look at the AI thing, by the way, what a great example. Billionaire trillionaire makes no difference there. You still put your pants on in the morning, have the same problems and the same issues and the politics are the same. And again, I, I hope so. I don't have a public conversation with you, but it was remarkable when I talked to him because he's one of the most financially successful people in our industry. Like his, his view on certain topics were like, I thought I was talking to somebody who hadn't made a dollar before, but it's interesting that those things still exist, even in a person. So financially, yeah, I, think got, I think you've gone a bridge too far talking to Willie really Wonka after what you said. I just sentenced Spencer to a month of moderating comments on the tavern. Yeah. I would not do that job because I'm good at trolling. Oh, that, that comes with That's what I want to say. I just want to, it's just a dis- delicious. It'd be like the soup Nazi in Seinfeld. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 just delicious concept. The Spencer on the comet page. Yeah. Oh. Uh, um, uh, so I don't think it pays me well enough. Yes, that's it. That's the main thing, isn't it? Uh, Chris, uh, um, what, what do you reckon about Sarah's contribution? I have a lot of respect for it. When somebody puts a decade in and and shows up consistently day after day, getting better and better over time, 
I don't know her personally, but I'm sure she's going to do great things. When I first joined WordPress in 2008 and I came across the WP Tavern, when did it launch, Jeff? Uh, January of 2009. I remember coming across that and being excited. You're OG. (laughs) (laughs) Being excited about having a news platform. And in 2008, I I felt like I was late to WordPress. So if we, I think there's a lot of that sentiment now, like it feels like it's late in WordPress. So for WP Tavern going forward, I think there's a big opportunity to just become an even stronger independent media brand. I love that they introduced a podcast to appeal to different styles of content consumption. And I I know they have some stuff on YouTube. They could probably double down there. But, and I think the best writers for WP Tavern need to be unbiased so not product owners or agency owners but actual journalists that that's their craft i think of like a brian krogsgaard type person as an example who was a very much a journalist type person i think that's that's the key to what's next and i'd love to see uh multiple figures a constellation of strong journalists and wordpress is so huge content creation is a strength in this community writing particularly so I think there's a big opportunity here for WP Tavern for the next decade. So just to finish off, Jeff, I'm just reflecting. Do you think if you were starting something like that now that you could even do it? Because I, I think the kind of climate and criticism that you would receive if you tried to attempt to have an independent voice, you would be just, you would be harassed off, basically. Is it? I think it's very difficult to have any kind of independent entertaining voice because you're going to get criticism from everywhere. What, what do you reckon, Jeff? Uh, well, you know, it's, it's interesting what Spencer said about just having a place to converse about things and, and see, you know, have the comment session be like people sharing their thoughts and opinions and you actually have conversations with people. That's initially the recipe that I used when I first started the tavern, and that's why it became such a huge success, is that we were just talking about, I was just sharing my thoughts and opinions on what was going on, and then people would join in in the comments, and then we the forums took off, and it just became one community of people. Just It was the place to be to talk about what the who's who and what's going on in WordPress. But if I were to start something like the tavern today, I don't, I don't know. See... Back then in 2008, we're talking about a few years after WordPress got started. And when I started Word, when I started the Tavern and I was getting involved with, you know, weblogtoolscollection.com was the big uh, WordPress website at the time for news and plugins. It was, it was a unique time because I felt like such a large group of us were just getting into WordPress at the same time. And we were all sharing our knowledge and it was all like just, it was, it was a nice feeling, nice community of people just helping each other out and, and, uh, just raising the tide. And now that we're so long after the fact that WordPress has been around, I think it'd just be incredibly difficult to replicate the tavern's success if I started it today. Yeah. All right, we're going to go for a break. We've got some fab stories. Oh, we've got a delicious story to start. I'm going to ask Heather's view on this when we come back. We will be back in a few moments, folks. This podcast episode is brought to you by Lifter LMS. 
the leading learning management system solution for WordPress. If you or your client are creating any kind of online course, training-based membership website, or any type of e-learning project, Lifter LMS is the most secure, stable, well-supported solution on the market. Go to LifterLMS.com and save 20% at checkout with coupon code PODCAST20. That's PODCAST20. Enjoy the rest of your show. We're coming back, folks. Got another new sponsor. Got Crowdways. Um, they're sponsoring the show for a while. Um, they got a great special offer, 40% in um, November and December. Go over to the WP Tonic, wp-tonic.com slash deals, and you'll find the offer there. Thank you for your support, Cloudways. So, on to the next story. Um, oh, God. Elon Musk. Elon Musk has been at it. So, Heber, not the greatest idea to tell one of your biggest um, advertisers when he's in the audience to go F himself, which he did a few days ago, didn't he? I think he told the CEO of Disney what he could go and do for himself. Um, what, what's going to happen? I, I only see bankruptcy. Um, I imagine that's his plan in a way. What do you reckon's happening ever? Um, well, the, whatever he's doing, it's working because X, Twitter, whatever, whatever. has a higher viewership or usage than it's ever had ever. <laughs> and more than threads and more than um i mean tiktok obviously over uh, overshadows it um but i mean of threads and face like meta and all that like i mean it's getting more people on the platform whether they're gonna pay um like probably not but he doesn't care um like he wants uh like i mean i said this when he bought it that like he was he was trying to be the new Hearst, he wanted a place where people would come and hear what he says as soon as he says it. And that's what he bought. And um, I mean, yes, things need to make money, but not everything needs to make money. Um, eventually, like he, I mean, he, if you look at the modern day robber barons like Elon Musk, like, the reason that they're making so much money, so much more than anyone ever has in the world is because they are not focused in one industry. They have control of every industry. Uh, and this... I well, mean, it, I'm sorry to interrupt, Heather, but isn't it a bit worrying? Obviously, you've got somebody that's highly intelligent. and Is he? Well, um, we... <laughs> Well, that, that that's yeah. Well, um, I think he's I think he's pretty intelligent that way. But he's he's at a slight disadvantage because he's made as a box of frogs, isn't he? I mean, I, I think he has. Um, I think he's highly functioning, like autistic. Um, I think he doesn't have like a very high EQ. Um, I, I wouldn't say that he's mad. I wouldn't say that he's. I mean, I, I think that he literally doesn't care what other people think. Um, oh, it, and I think it's that he does, 
Let's use the English term is as bonkers as a bag of frogs. No, no, I I wouldn't say that. I think that he doesn't have like I, I think he like literally like does not have the thing in his brain that makes him care what anyone else thinks. I doesn't I think he never has had that. And um that's part of what makes him who he is. Um, because he doesn't care, like because he gets fixated on uh specific things i mean just think about an autistic uh like an autistic person uh that gets fixated on one particular thing like for him it was like specific books like he wanted to see the world of a book when he was a kid and like he's focused his entire life to make that happen and all of the things that needed to like need to come into place in order to like make the dream world that he wanted to live in happen he's doing because he got focused on that really early in life. Right there. And, right. So, Chris, um, he's made some statements. You know, I see him as uh, I, f- I thought myself there was elements, but I now consider he is the Henry Ford of the modern era. And if you know anything about Henry Ford, there was the good side of Henry, but there was a real, real dark side for Henry, um, really unpleasant. Um, so what do you reckon? Do you think he is, he has become the Henry Ford of our time? Well, I'm actually reading his, uh, biography by Walter Isaacson right now, just so I can have an informed understanding of the history of the person. So I don't, I don't have, I don't want to characterize him as a, you know, hero slash villain. I think there's a lot of nuance to the, the person he is. But I do want to say, I just looked in my Twitter account. I set up a $300 Twitter ad for Lister LMS Black Friday. They approved it. It got accepted. They took my money, and it, but it didn't run. And I'm looking at that. I'm like, and when I set it up, I'm like, this interface feels a little broken. And what that tells me is that they actually don't care about ads. Um. I mean, it just doesn't make sense for something like that to happen. It's not the primary. They may care somewhat, but it's not the primary mission vision of the company. And I think that's one of the things I'm loving most most about the biography is you go back in time and a lot of the stuff Elon was talking about or wanting to do as a child and as a young adult, you can see it start to play out now. So I just recommend if you do want to really get a nuanced view of Elon and not just look at headlines and stuff, go check out that biography. It's really well written. So, Spencer, you know, I listened to Scott Scalloway's um, monologue on his podcast, first line, when is enough enough? When is, when is somebody's behaviour so egregious that you can no longer be linked what 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 are the boundaries spencer i was reading i saw an article about rockefeller who has a lot of interesting things i read his biography his early years but one of the things people don't realize about rockefeller is rockefeller was responsible for the problems of our modical medical system pharmaceutical industry and in particular the healthcare system because he figured out that there was a whole world around the turn of the century of like natural medicines and homeopathic stuff and things that were available to normal people. I mean, obviously very low tech. He discovered that you could make petroleum-based pharmaceuticals 
everything else that followed was an example of what happens when somebody becomes so far removed financially from the rest of society that they can unilaterally decide what the humanity's destiny is. Rockefeller single-handedly destroyed the homeopathic industry in favor of these petroleum products, which were later found to be carcinogenic. So he then created the American Medical Associations and the things that controlled how doctors were trained and the lobbyists and, and all these large, you know, everybody from Moderna to Merck to AbbVie. I, I have to study this. I didn't know this. It's fascinating because nobody would put two and two together. But this one dude who had all this other things coming, who came from poverty, his early life was literally on a ranch in the middle of nowhere and his father left. The point is, that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with somebody who has now said what everybody already thought. F you, I'm untouchable. Money means nothing. Your money's no good to me. Because he lives essentially the life of a hermit in a trailer while he's got billions and trillions of financial capital dollars at his disposal. But he doesn't actually take the money because it's all virtual. He never has to worry again about buying a hamburger or french fries or you know, who's going to drive him to the airport. And he's got what Heather rightly pointed out. He's definitely savant or autistic in some way or another, which is how he's able to act in a way that like colorblind people, you can argue all day long with a colorblind person. They can't tell red from green from blue. They just can't. You can argue with Elon Musk all day long. He's going to see the world as he sees it. But now he's got trillions of dollars and half of the world's racists in his pocket for whatever he feels is our destiny. And there's other examples of that too, whether you talk about Bezos or you talk about Soros or you whether you talk about uh, the, the Australian uh, family that controls Fox News. You know, everybody has at some point this person who's gone so far above the rest of humanity that they are essentially locking up our destiny. And by the way, this extends to government as well. Like whether you're a congressman or a senator or what we're talking about now with all this disclosure stuff, it's all like, who is to decide for all the rest of us what's to happen? But if you get to that place where you're that powerful, everybody else is an ant. And you just, you got a boot. Now, I, I used to think Elon Musk was SpaceX. I thought Elon Musk was cool and very smart. Yeah. Then he bought Twitter. And now I think the guy is just a big, rich idiot. I thought he was going to take us into space and Mars and everything. But now it's like, that's a, a side note. Because, you know, he makes tons of money with SpaceX. But like, there's never talks about the best good of humanity going to space. He just talks about it in terms of existential crisis that like maybe me and my buddies are going to get out of here when the going gets rough. I mean, that's what it feels more like now. Well, uh, certainly, um, certainly Disney won't be covering it when he lifts off. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> what are you talking about? Battle of Titans, you know, like yeah. you, you ever watch a show? I he's all, he's, he's family, him and his family are probably not welcome to Mickey Mouse land. He's not, he's not going to lift off. He's going to lift her LMS. If you watch the show, you're free. I do that to it. I did yes. So you better send a check to Jeff. Uh, right. It's like millions and you'll see how ridiculous this is because like, when billionaires fight, normal, like Billions was a great show for the first three episodes. And then you're like, this is the fourth day in a row you're threatening to destroy your whole empire over somebody saying your shoes are the wrong color. And it's like, normal people don't act like that. They have other problems to deal with, right? And that's what happens when you have too much money. You lose your mind. So, Katie, so um, we got to disperse, but I think Elon is really very much like Henry Ford, you know, um, 
Henry, the make of the modern car production, you know, gave mobility to the average American, a committed anti-Semite that um, invested in a publication, a newsletter that went to over 6 million American households um, that was just filled with anti-Semite racist content. Um, individual that had connections with Nazi Germany that was really very lucky not to be prosecuted by the American government for treason. Uh, um, you know, but the brilliant side of Henry, and then you got this side that's pretty unpleasant. Um, what's your own view about it? I think him sharing a tweet and saying this is the actual truth probably isn't enough to say he is a committed anti-Semite. If you debated it with him, he might have, like, have studied it in great depth, have found that specific groups do have a particular agenda, and he might have had a balanced view rather than a discriminatory view, which is based on assumptions and, um, you know, nasty views and things like that. So I, I think it's gone a bit far in that sense. But what fascinates me is seeing somebody with no filter and no consequences because we've all evolved and been conditioned, nature, nurture, whatever, to have this filter. And if we do have a view, whether it's one that we have good reasons for or it's more of a kind of a primal uh, prejudice or something, which many people do have, people know when to express that view and when not. And the richest, most successful person in the world, you would think would not want to say that publicly, um, whatever the reason for what they've said. But he doesn't have that. And that's really fascinating to see how humanity can act when that is removed. Um, and it's like in the pub with his mates, then maybe you'd make these comments and then somebody would disagree and you'd debate it a bit. You're like, hang on, hang on. You can't put all Jews in that. That's a very, but I've learned the hard way, Katie, you're approaching this in a very English mindset you what you've just outlined you can't do in america anymore you can't have in private or anywhere a balanced discussion with people that's those days are gone katie but i understand why you feel that way because even though you live in a very warm climate katie you're still very english Good aren't you? you're, you're, you're still very english aren't you that is true. Yeah, my English friends and I can debate different issues and challenge each other's prejudices and things like that. So that's interesting. But I hadn't noticed the difference with my American friends not being able to do that. No, I think those days are, are, are disappearing. So, Kurt, uh, um, what do you reckon? I just, you know, I kind of agree with what your comments were to Katie. The world is incredibly segmented. You know, and there's, you got to be, you can't say one thing about one thing or another thing without being labeled. I don't have the full context of what he considers the absolute truth. And I, I probably shouldn't comment one way or the other. No. So um, just to finish off, Heather, um, how do you see this ending up for Twitter X, wherever he wants to, you know, you see, um, but you, you, you had a good point. The figure, you know, the actual user base is going up. So, but financially depends on these corporate 
um, advertisers and, you know, telling your biggest adver- one of your biggest advertisers to go and F off. Um, you got to admire him in a way, you know, the book. But I understand he was actually in the audience when he t- when he said, you can go F off. Uh, um, right, this stuff. Uh, um, and do you see this ending up? You know, is it and you know for Twitter or is it does it does it mean more success for Twitter? I don't know. What do you reckon, Eva? I think that the uh, the point isn't how much money they make from people. The point is how many people he's going to reach with his words, and there is no other place that he can reach immediately on the planet right now. I mean, if if he could do it with a TV station, then he would have bought a TV station. But I mean, the most that you could get anywhere is like 6 million people. Um, so yeah, no, I mean, I think he's got exactly what he needs um, out of Twitter. Ricky, on to, oh, I think we can do it. Yeah. On to the next story. Elevator Pro pricing updates, lashes, features, essential plan for custom. So, Spencer, where I think this went down like a bucket of sick with some users, didn't it? Uh, um, <laughs> what do you think? Um, what's your views about what Alameda been up to, Spencer? You're, you're muted, Spencer, and I'll never do it. You still was double muted. I was muted on the mic and the thing. So the conversation I've had as of late regarding Elementor is very simple. It's related to the other well-stacked page builders, Divi, Beaver Builder, and so forth. We all know that Gutenberg has reached the point with the help of another stack of stuff like Cadence or Aster or whatever, the level where you've got a house with a one-car garage and you've got a, a modern electric hybrid vehicle in there having that gas-powered v8 car that you know is elementor or divi or beaver builder is for many people reliable and they're used to it and they love it but you really have to think like where am i going to park that thing because <laughs> there's already a garage and there's a car parked in there that's just everything is related to and that's the smart move that they've made by realizing that and going off to their own platform in addition to the unfortunate reality, and I just did a live event last week where I demonstrated this, take a modern Gutenberg site with Cadence and you try to open up the page builder, just starting from scratch. I did this for a customer yesterday, Cadence and Launch Kit versus Elementor. 29 seconds till the, the blank page opened with Elementor. Everything else the same, seven seconds with Cadence. So that's every single page you got to go into the yard, get in the gas car, turn it on, put it on the grass, pull out the Tesla, bring the car in. Like just that process. That's like 20 seconds every page load. In addition to the clients themselves have said, I've used this stack with the na- native Gutenberg and Cadence versus Elementor. This page speed, all the other stuff coming in. So when you combine that, the point is they really are a platform that you choose to use for Elementor first. By the way, it runs WordPress. And that's how it needs to be because there's no way it's ever going back. And the same is true for Divi and Beaver Builder. And we talked about this when we talked about Thrive themes and everything else. They have enough of an audience. They don't have to think about it or worry about it, but they just might as well be Wix or Weebly, Squarespace, ClickFunnels at this point that, by the way, runs WordPress. 
because there's no way you're getting that thing back in the garage. Sorry, Chris, what do you... Uh, what do you reckon they've how this is going to pan out for them? Because they, I've observed them and they seem to oscillate where they're going to go like full SAS and then they come back into the WordPress sponsor load of activities around WordCamp. It kind of oscillates back and forth. Or is that is that the plan, basically? There's a theory in business called the uh, diffusion of innovation. You know, the early adopter, early majority, late majority, laggards, and it's a it's a bell curve. And in the early days of Elementor, they gave away more for free than anybody else in the page builder space. There were less competitors. They moved really fast and they got huge market share with those strategies. And when a business like bell curves out and starts, I would, I would guess, so I have no optics on their financials and haven't looked deeply at their users over time, but they're probably in the late majority phase. And what a business does at that phase, they have an opportunity to keep going up, but it's called jumping the S-curve. They have to build on top of that. And maybe they tried that with SaaS uh, and it, the hosted, fully hosted solution, but maybe they didn't get the jump they needed. Yeah. So I think, make, I think you're making some excellent points there. Yeah, so you can lower your price. You can... So they're also investor-backed. So that that money is looking for a return. So they, there's there there's lots of strategies you can try there, but right now, to me, what they're doing it looks like is they're trying to push people more into the higher plans, and that's that's the current strategy. But just with the competitive landscape of it all, the ease of building websites, Gutenberg, it's just a lot of pressure. So it'll just be interesting to see how they navigate that over the next couple of years. But even still, if they're in decline. It, a WordPress business like this, Elementor users who have been using it forever and love it, it's not going away. We just might be later in the business cycle. Thank you. I think I think you love Elementor, but you've warmed more to cadence, haven't you? You've, you've, you've said some frustrations with it, but I think it oscillates with you, doesn't it, Kurt? Well, it sure does. There's... um. It took me a while to adopt Elementor. I was late to the game. I really was in, in scope of, of looking at my agency and how I develop things over time. And now I've got a group of people on Elementor sites. Um, however, my latest projects were built in Gutenberg. So I've been focused more and more on the block builder. So the reason I'm saying all this is every now and then a client comes back from the past and they need help or they need some consulting or they need something. And I get into the site and it takes me a little bit to go, oh, that's right. This one's on Elementor. <laughs> well, uh-oh. Um, but, <laughs> but there's something about, you know, to a professional that knows the tool, that knows the features, that knows where the secret widgets are. It's when you need to do something, it's a very powerful tool. I don't think there's any denying that it, that it's a wonderful, wonderful tool for certain purposes. Does it belong on every site, every use case? No. But there's a lot of things that it does quickly and efficiently that make it a powerhouse tool for a professional to use. And so, yeah, there's times when I get into it and I go, man, this is awesome. I'm so glad that, you know, I'm so glad that I renew this every year. And then there's other times where, you know, I just enjoy the simplicity of a good block site and just getting it done and getting it out. So, Jeff, what I reckon should happen is animators should merge with the chocolate factory. That, that. 
that would be a beautiful synergy, wouldn't it, Jeff? Base of both worlds. Base of both worlds in WordPress, would it? You know, at this point, I'm for any idea that turns Spencer into a Oompa Loompa. I think Warren, I think he'd rock orange. Well, I think he's going to join. I, 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 I think I wanna, he's going to join. I want to just clear something up. With it. <laughs> it's it's interesting to talk about the the conversation that I had with Matt in public is different than in private. And similarly, if Syed I hope it was, but but the thing is, I will say something that I don't think is hard to understand. Matt was very nonchalant about me recording. So I actually have the full private call of Matt, but it was very, we were going at each other a little and it was very choppy and it would have been very bad because we used specific names of people and so forth. And we both agreed it would be better to have that in public, but he just got short. When I spoke to Syed, I can say this. He was extraordinarily concerned and careful that nothing was being recorded and that his words didn't escape. And so when I spoke to him, I was able to be very candid, but don't, don't kid yourself. Like I would never throw him or anyone else softballs, but what I do think would be interesting would be if I could get him in the public space to talk about these things, because I don't think anything is resolved by me talking to him in private. I suspected what I suspected. He said in private what I suspected he was going to say and think, but at the same time, I feel like I made an inroads with him about why it's in his best interest not to let this fester. And you can use Marie Antoinette or Julius Caesar or Machiavelli as an example. Everybody feels about what he's doing and not doing the same way. And it's not helping him to become like Elon Musk in that regard. Elon Musk is Elon Musk and Syed is Syed. But then again, nobody knows WordPress. I, I, I didn't I know mind. if you were going on a tangent like this. I want to make it clear. I don't I'm just saying, like, no, if you asked who's Matt Mullenweg, like some people in my business community were like, what are you doing today? I, was, I talked to Matt Mullenweg. They're like, who's that? I, I, I want to ask Katie this because she runs Barnes 2 Plugins. How difficult have you found it to build in support and support all these different page builders? Because in my experience, all these page builders have made our, uh, a product manager's life a living hell you yeah fix that, some, it, you it fix something for elementor it breaks in bricks you fix something for bricks it breaks in divi if you fix something in divi it breaks in cadence See, it's it's you, know, you just want to throw your hands up in the air and say to hell with all of them which we have done and the answer is very <laughs> old-fashioned short codes most of our plugins are very dependent on short codes for that reason we built a few blocks but it's not, I don't even know what. Okay. So I guess her codes are their lowest common denominator, right? Exactly. Yeah. They work in everything. And so sometimes we might have to do a few little tweaks for Elementor, but generally they work in everything, which is such a shame because we should have a module for Divi and Elementor and Gutenberg as an absolute minimum, but the development time, it just wouldn't be cost-effective. So we kind of track feature requests and try and do it on an evidence-based well, actually, I love that with Katie. They, they've been around since 2009, but I came to the same conclusion with launch flows and so forth. And I've been a big proponent of the fact that, see, short codes provide the universality that bulletproof those things against all of this middle layer of drama with the page builders. I feel like I'm a genius, even though it was just because I was lazy at the time. Building all the custom stuff for every page builder felt like I was working for them. And I'm like, F that, but not in public Disney. I feel like a hero now because now, as long as the core team doesn't decide to rip short codes out like they did the other day, 
we're universal out of the box. Ta-da. There you go. And there are compromises too. Like we're building central builders. So we've got some table plugins. And instead of doing a table building Elementor block, we're building it centrally on the settings page. And then you just have a short code and it would actually be quite easy to have an Elementor block to insert it. But we cannot be bothered to do the whole builder in each platform. It's not worth it. And and Kurt mentioned something earlier, and this is something that all these paid builders have done where uh, in our Facebook group, for for example, LearnDash, um, and you know maybe this extends well to, to Lifter. That way I'm not totally biased. But um, we in our Facebook group, we have so many people who are saying that we're using Elementor or we're using Divi. And unless you have like at least a year's worth of experience of working and building sites using that Pacific page builder, you have no, it's like a junk drawer. You have no idea where that option is, where that widget is, what's going on. And, and they think that it's an issue with the actual product when really it's an option that's negated to the, to the page builder theme. And it just makes supporting even like one-to-one support in a group. It's just it's very difficult. Well, ChatGPT can help you with that. I'm going to oh. oh. I'm getting because that's a whole issue around the the yellow brick road that that Gutenberg turned into. But we got we got light coming. So panel, I think we're going to end it. So Heather, what's the best way for people to find out more about you, Heather, and your? You can find me everywhere at Heatheriel and Heatheriel.com. Um, Katie, how can people find out more about you? What are you up to? Uh, our company website is barn2.com. That's the number two. And you can find me personally on Twitter at Katie Keith Barn2. Fantastic. And Jeff, how can people find out all about you? You can find uh, me at Jeffro on X, if that's what he's still calling it these days. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much where I do all my, my bashing and my complimenting and everything else. And Katie, that you got to refer to all of your products as this part of a stable. I mean, it's right there. You got to do it. A stable. He's going to yeah. rename it. He's going to rename it F U. How can people find out more about you? Uh, well, to connect with me, you'd probably want to do that on LinkedIn. I'm the only Kurt Von Onen on LinkedIn. I'm easy to find. And then uh, Manana Nomas is the company name, and that's branded all over. So Manana Nomas is how you find us if you're looking to do something. And Chris, how can people find out more about you? You can find me on lifterlms.com if you like podcasts for WordPress and e-learning and course creation. The podcast is LMScast, and I'm easy to talk to on Twitter as well at Chris Badgett. And Spence, how can people, the, the soon to become editor of the tavern, how can, pe- how can people find more about you? I need, first of all, Jeff to send me an email what his mic setup is. I love your mic setup. It's really powerful. Otherwise, you can find me at uh, editor at WPTavern.com or hello at awesomotive.com. I'm not kidding. I, I would subscribe tomorrow if you were the editor of the Tavern. I, I'll pay anybody to see that. Uh, and I'm agitating everybody over uh, Spencer Foreman on any social media. So no E in Foreman. Leave it off for savings. Well, this is going to be our last round table of 203. It's, it's been an interesting year, to say the least. I think this Last panel- year. Yeah, I think this panel's done a fantastic job. I want to wish you and your family a great Christmas and a new year. We will be back in January with another 
uh, monthly roundtable show. I've really enjoyed this one. Is there any money underneath this roundtable? It must be jokes. It's sponsored. I'm sure you know. Need to get a sponsorship out of bloody WordPress, people. Blood out of stone, mate. Uh, you, you, you know about that. Oh, I think I do quite well to get anybody out of them anyway. Uh, um, so um, we will be back soon, folks. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening. We really do appreciate it. Why not visit the Mastermind Facebook group? And also to keep up with the latest news, click wp-tonic.com forward slash newsletter. We'll see you next time.